0: This week on the other Bundesliga podcast, we had a surprise derby winner, a late penalty save and two teams who haven't scored in five games going head to head in a high scoring thriller. Hello and welcome to the Other Bundesliga podcast. It's Tom and Lee here at the Long Haul Pub and Kitchen in Vienna. A lovely place to go for food, drink and or football and escape the wintry cold in Vienna as well. We're warm and comfy in the pub and if for whatever reason you're enjoying our content and you want to buy us a beer for all of our social media and our podcasting efforts you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Other Bundesliga. Our current round of beers has been paid for. By our lovely listener Ray, by the way. So cheers to you, Ray. Thanks a lot for these pints. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: Approximately 0.04% of our listeners, by the way, of our Twitter followers actually, have actually chipped in so far and bought us a beer. So if you're in a generous mood and you want to help us grow that very, very tiny number, then check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash other Bundesliga. We're very grateful, of course, to everybody who's done that so far. But this week on the pod, we've got Bundesliga Match Day 14 and European match day four to look back upon. But in our own way, we both completed the Bundesliga, I'll say in inverted commas, this weekend. Lee, you managed it. I managed it too. Uh, Do you want to tell us about how exactly we managed that, Lee?
1: Yeah, I will. I'll start off by saying how I managed it. And then I'll explain to the listeners how you managed to sort of rub it in and pit me to the post, (laughs) beat me one day earlier. But we've been all going for this, haven't we, for some time, trying to tick off the 12 Bundesliga stadia in Austria. Surprisingly, our third member, Simon, who is not here today, uh, we thought he would be the first one to get there because of his you know, ground-hopping exploits in pretty much any free time he has.
0: Like, I think we're quite big ground compared to the average person, but Simon is definitely the biggest ground of, of the three of us, but by a long way, I think.
1: Yeah, but we got to the point just uh, a couple of weeks ago where you and I had only one stadium left. For you, it was Hartberg. For me, it was Blaweis linz I'm not sure how you haven't managed to get to Hartberg, actually, because they've been in the Bundesliga quite a while and it's such a lovely stadium.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a bit embarrassed. I've actually been, in my defence, to Hartberg twice. I've looked around the ground twice, but I've never been there for a match. Mm. So I've stopped off, I've taken photos, I've had a look around, but this was the first time I managed it. And they had three match days in a row. They had a cup game at home, they had a league game at home and then another league game at home. And I thought there's always been something clashing with Hartberg and then traditionally in the second half of the season maybe they've been in the bottom six and then they're always playing on the Saturday and it's a bit harder for me to get to see them because of other commentary gigs and stuff so there's just always been something in the way and I earmarked this earlier I said three home games in a row I have to be able to get to one of them and then I went to the countryside when they played Salzburg in the Cup so I couldn't get to that one and then I missed the first league game at home then uh, of the three with Blauweis-Linz and I thought oh well this is it it's got to be Rapide um, Hartberg against Rapid, and and it was fantastic yeah so 12 out of the 12 Bundesliga games and you're right it was brilliant beautiful sunsets like lovely sky Hartberg was very suspiciously quiet it's a very small and beautiful little town um, it felt like a Sunday afternoon but it was actually a Saturday <laughs> but it was still. It was a really nice experience.
1: Yeah, as was you know our trip the next day because you accompanied me then, having cruelly pipped me by one day. <laughs> the following day we had the Lintz Derby at the uh, Dornell Park Stadion, or what's it called now, the Hoffman Personal Stadion, and you you came along with me for that, so uh, I felt uh, less angry about the fact that. <laughs> the, uh, my, my triumph had been snatched from under my nose it
0: doesn't seem like it after all these years but it literally was a complete coincidence that I finished this a day before you because yeah. I was looking at all these trips to Hartberg maybe in spring and Simon was saying yeah spring's good whatever and I just thought at some point I was like no I have to get it done Like I haven't been to Hartberg it's a disgrace I have to get it done and, and it just happened to be a day before you got to Blauweiss-Linz which makes a lot more sense because Blauweiss-Linz are just new to the Bundesliga and they've got a brand new stadium so it's completely understandable that you haven't done it but um, we both posted about it. Of course, it's it's been sort of five and a bit years now of the pod, and we've only just completed, what, 12 Bundesliga grounds. That doesn't sound very impressive when you put the numbers like that, but it,
1: it feels a bit different in reality, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I think it is quite impressive, though, because... Obviously you have grounds all over the country, the two furthest ones in Vorarlberg are six hours away by train and then of course you have to account for the clubs that are coming up and going down so the reason I hadn't managed to get to Blauweiss Linz yet was because they were promoted in the summer and I just haven't managed it the first few months of the season. So I think it's um, yeah we'll give ourselves some credit, a little pat on the back for finally completing Austria, and I suppose that means that we now move down to Liga Zva and try and try and tick all of those off.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, I think we've got to blend in as well. There've been like new stadiums built. There've been teams moving to other stadiums. Actually, <laughs> one of which has happened right now. Austria Lustenau played their last home game this weekend at their stadi- uh, Stadion, the Reishof Stadion. Uh, they're temporarily moving to Schwarzweiß Bregenz, also in Vorarlberg, whilst they refit the uh, Reishof Stadion. So technically, we haven't, uh, we've, we've actually completed the Bundesliga and now like it's, it's also now incomplete again.
1: That's what Simon's been telling us to make himself <laughs> feel better, isn't it? No, lads, you haven't completed the Bundesliga because of this Lustenau move. So yeah, that's one that we're going to gonna have to, to do as well.
0: For like under 24 hours, I had it complete. In every sense, though, because Lustenau was still playing at home in mm. Lustenau. So, so for a little bit of time, it was done. But yeah, there have been new stadiums built. There's been all sorts of stuff going on. Quite a lot of new stadiums being built. And, you know, I've got the bonus, I think you have as well, of seeing a, a league game take place at the ernst Stadion, which is sort of the, mm-hmm. the star number 13 of the Bundesliga yeah. from back in the days when Rapid and Austria used to play there, when their stadia were being uh, renovated or rebuilt. And how are you looking in the second division, roughly? Because I, I, I'm approximately halfway... Uh, and I've done a lot of good second division teams that then went on to get relegated to the third <laughs> division. So I'm I'm pretty miffed that, for example, the likes of Forvaltstyre got relegated because I've done that ground hop, brilliant day trip, lovely lovely town to go and visit, a very picturesque town. And then when they went down, I was like, ah no, that's like one one fewer second division ground that I've done and, and people pointed out on Twitter that I've been very anti-Steria mm-hmm. and luckily on the day that I was criticised for being, jokingly I, I should say for being anti-Steria I was in Hartberg which is in Steria mm-hmm. watching a league game so I haven't been anti-Steria it's just uh, that th- they're probably amongst the easiest grounds in, in Liga that I haven't been to are some of those like Lee Auburn um, I, I don't even know I think Lafnitz is there as well but I don't even know where Lafnitz is so I can't have been to Lafnitz because I couldn't even point it out on a map
1: I had a look at your Ligazwa list on Twitter. It's much more comprehensive than mine. So, so far, looking at the table, Sankt Polten, when they were in the Bundesliga, Reed, when they were in the Bundesliga, FC Platz have been to, of course, we know, First Vienna It's one of our favourite spots to go watch football in Austria, Admira when they were in the Bundesliga. But I think it's about only one-third complete. So that... Because you know, it's not a nice feeling. Like, you want to complete something, but then when it's done, you wonder what's next. And that this, this is something next for me now. I've got two thirds of Liga 2 to discover. So, but
0: right, what comes first, Liga 2 or trying to see a, ho- a home game of Lustenau in the Schwarzweiß brigens stadium? Because that's not easy for us, that's like seven hours away.
1: Uh, I don't really count that as much. Okay. You know, okay. temporary home like yeah, of course. If we if we have the chance, if we're over for Alberg way, then I'd go see a game. I don't think we'd see a home win though, would we uh, by uh, by current performances. No,
0: we'll get to them later. Mm. Let's start with the games that we did see live and in person this weekend. Why don't we start with the one that we both got to? Because it was a Linz derby, the second Linz derby of the season. Obviously Blauweiss, the newly promoted team in the Bundesliga, their first home derby against LASK at the Hoffmann Personalstadion Stadion to give it its full title. And I don't think a lot of Blauweiss fans had realistic hopes of actually evening up the derby count and, uh, and winning, because LASK won the first one at the Raiffeisen Arena this season a few months ago. But Blauweis
1: got one back and quite deservedly won the second derby to make it 1-1. Can I just preface my answer to this, by the way, Uh, just by saying that um, this is probably one of my favourite stadiums in the Bundesliga. I really enjoyed it there because I really thought the design was nice. It's a new stadium, but also it's nicely located just along the river. And the atmosphere, because you're so close. There's one tier all the way around, but you're so close. It generated a really great atmosphere in there. And I know Derby days are different, but it was really cool. So I enjoyed that. And I think that, aside from a a few spells, um, you know, Blauweiss-Lintz really deserved that. I don't think Lask really posed too many threats. They looked a little bit tired to me after their um, European exploits and... I just thought Blau-Weiss Linz were, were very worthy winners. I know that uh, fans of the team, including Richard Turkovic who was next to us in the media area, uh, did not you know, probably have the same degree of confidence when it's your team and you're only one goal ahead. You don't necessarily think this is a guaranteed win, but I really felt they were going to win from the moment that that first goal went in.
0: Yeah, me too. I had the exact same impression. Like If I was a Blauweiss-Lintz fan, I wouldn't be anywhere near as certain. But watching it as a neutral... It seemed like they had the game pretty much under control even at 1-0 um last cuffed and puffed i know what you mean uh, it's hard to say isn't it i don't know if they looked tired or not really because they did um sort of quite surprisingly when i looked at the stats afterwards they had way more shots i think they had approaching 20 shots in the game and and vastly superior possession statistics but when you watch the game over the 90 minutes it didn't really feel like that because they didn't do much i can't remember that their goalkeeper had or the Blauweiss-Lintz goalkeeper that is I can't remember him having almost anything to do really in the game the back line swept everything up Lask had a lot of possession on the edge of the area and a lot of shots that were blocked from the edge of the area uh, a couple of times they got into the box again everything was just blocked it wasn't really It just wasn't Lask's day like it didn't really work out for them and they did run out of steam a bit after a good performance midweek which we'll talk about in just a minute but for me Blauweis started play, playing really well after about seven or eight minutes. So it's just an early spell of pressure from Lask. And then they had a couple of good efforts with uh, set piece, a good corner, uh, Tobias Laval, by far the busier of the two goalkeepers. And then finally, when something dropped their way in the box, a few things had been cleared by the last defence when the loose balls fell in the area. But then one of them from across fell to Ronnie Valdo, and he put it away with brilliant striker's instincts. And Blauweiss suddenly were one up and thinking, actually, we might be able to win this today.
1: Yeah, I thought. By the way, for the for this goal, the Sky commentary, which I watched back on the highlights today, I thought it was awful. So the Sky commentator, the goal went in. Ronnie Valdo hooked that in. It was a really nice finish, and he went Ronnie Valdo. Four syllables, five goals this season. I was like, <laughs> it, it was just it was just horrible. Oh, it was just no. so so like clearly like worked in. To it's been written in advance, has yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it wasn't great, but it was a nice finish. It was a shame that that audacious long-range chip that he tried to uh, catch Laval off his line didn't go in wasn't it that was a little bit before that but they were worthy of that goal because you know almost it just felt like constantly the one thing I was noticing was that blauweiss were on the transition and breaking and there were so many two-on-twos three-on-twos all, all this kind of stuff it felt like it was coming and you know, Ronnie Valdo has been a, a great servant to Liga in, in in the past few years, and it's really nice to see him at 34 years of age do it in the Bundesliga too.
0: Yeah, it was one of those games where I think Blauweis got their tactics set up just right, and the players executed it really well as well. It was a derby day, you could see it. It was a good derby day for Blauweis in the sense that, well, of course it was because they won 2-0, but in the sense that, you could see how serious they were taking the game they were really going for it you know the challenges just had a little bit more about them from both teams that's uh, to be fair but it wasn't like a game which was waiting for a red card either um but it was it was taken seriously there was an importance in the air you know blah really had that little extra edge of saying we really want to get this and i think maybe that's where last were were lacking having played on the thursday night um because it wasn't an awful performance by any means from last they, they weren't terrible you know it just didn't fall their way but that was to the credit of Blauweiß-Linz. And Briedl got the assist for Ronnie Valdo's goal. I believe that was his first Bundesliga assist. And then in the second half, Stefan Feiertag got what I think is his first Bundesliga goal. And he did it in some style to pretty much kill off the derby and, and make those last 10 minutes where the nerves can kick in. And maybe Lass could somehow find an equaliser out of nowhere, which, as we said, we didn't think was coming. But... In any case, once you've made it 2-0, it's still a lot more relaxed, isn't it, for the home fans for the last 10 minutes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That ball across from Paul Mensah, I thought, well, that was a good enough pass. But he still had so much to do. And Fayetar cuts back in. And we were sat perfectly, weren't we? Because we were literally behind the trajectory of the ball as it arrowed into the top corner. What a way to score your first Bundesliga goal. Wrap up the derby from the bench. First goal. Lovely stuff.
0: The stuff of club legend, indeed. And he appeared to know that at the time because he took his shirt off, ran over to the the home fans, you know, (laughs) behind the goal, and was just holding his shirt up in front. Like, you know, he's thinking in that moment, like, all it takes is a couple of photos here, and I will be sort of iconicized in Blauweis Lintz history. And and rightly so, I think Mensa got his first assist with that pass as well. Mm. So, a day of firsts for Blauweis Lintz, but a first Bundesliga Derby win at the Hoffmann Pazenostadion against Lask. And they did it just in pretty much the perfect style. I think their manager will be extremely pleased with the way they came out and won that.
1: I think so too. I think, um, obviously, we'll talk about the main relegation candidates, bracket candidates later. But um, I think they are showing that they are capable of staying up. And whether that is the case in the long term and whether second season syndrome, uh, you know, sort of intervenes, that remains to be seen. But I'm starting to feel like they've got enough to stay in the division now.
0: Well, we said not long ago that Lask had beaten Sturm and Salzburg in recent weeks, two of the top three, and therefore the uh, potential title race m- momentum was with them. So now Blauweiss have beaten Salzburg and Lask in the top, uh, you know, in the top three, two of the top three in the last couple of weeks. So Blauweiss Linz potentially title race momentum must be with them as well.
1: Uh, why not? Let's <laughs> go with that. I mean, we'd love to see it, wouldn't we?
0: I mean yeah obviously say, saying it jokingly but they have they have really put some distance between themselves and the relegation battle and of course publicly that's all they're talking about right now but right now they do seem to be so far away from it and if if you're them really you're not even thinking about relegation if you're Lask points dropped a chance to uh, sort of keep pace with the top two slipped away but in fairness, it was coming off the back of a brilliant European performance where they steamrolled Union saint gelois 3-0 in the Europa League on Thursday night. I was there for that. It was quite a busy last few days for me. Um, and that was another one as well. If you're a last fan, you might have thought even at 0-0, you thought, oh, I don't know which, which way this game's going to go. But from our neutral perspective, from my neutral perspective... From minute one, it was like this was all last. It literally was all last game. It was such an impressive European performance. It brought back those memories of kind of days at the old Linzer Google, where they played against good opponents, uh, opponents who are sort of dark horses, maybe uh, quite highly rated opponents, and they just they gave them the respect they deserve and no more, and just went out there and, and got the job done. And the way they swept up the three 0 win, first goal was a handball penalty, of which. I've got plenty to say later because handball penalties seem to be the thing these days that decide so many games. Um, but it is what it is. You know, it hit somebody's hand in the box, penalty kick. Sasha Horvat, total form player right now, smashed it into the top corner. It was nice. Interestingly, Robert Julie, the penalty taker, let Horvat take it and said afterwards, he was like, Look, I believe he's one of the best players in the Bundesliga on form, on confidence, on all of that. And I just knew he was going to score. So I trusted my teammate to take it. Brilliant. Talavierov, this is the crucial moment maybe in the game, 45th minute plus a couple more, last leading 1 0, about to go in at half time at 1 0 up. Talavierov absolutely deservedly heads in a second to make it 2 0 at the break, and you're feeling that bit more comfortable. There was a good spell for about 10 minutes after the break from Saint gilloise but it didn't really threaten that much, and then uh, Lubitsch hit the bar, and the rebound fell kindly for Jules to make it 3 0 later on so a totally one-sided game completely deserved and you look at the group table and you're thinking how on earth is that the first points that Lask have got they were so good on the day you think anyone who's seen the highlights of that are like looking at the group like oh wait they're fourth how's that happened
1: I mean they were also very good weren't they on match day one in that in that first half against Liverpool where they led through Florian Flecker but they you know desperately needed to get off the mark if they want to have any chance of even third place and getting into the uh, the UEFA Conference League knockout stages they really needed to get off the mark I was watching this on Sky and I thought they were you know really outstanding it was one of the best uh, European performances by Lask I can remember and probably the best by an Austrian team this season I would go as far as to say except maybe rivaling Salzburg's win in Lisbon
0: yeah I mean USG is sort of I think a top of the Belgian Jupiler League and real dark horses, and I think a lot of people expected them to finish second in this group, but right now they're the team that Lask will be targeting to overtake because, I mean, people have said to me and said to us that I think four points will do for Lask. I don't think that's the case. I think they need six, mm. and I think they can get six. What's annoying is Lask are on three now from that win. Saint-Gilbois are on four. To lose, you would have hoped, would also have been on four, but despite taking a big lead against Liverpool... Liverpool fought back and almost equalised Liverpool thought they'd got a 97th minute equaliser that was denied for a minor handball in the build-up handball striking again but anyway Liverpool did last no favours basically by losing to Toulouse so Toulouse have now got 7 points and it's going to be virtually impossible for Lask to catch them and it's going to build the confidence of Toulouse ahead of the next game but we've said this for a long time in this group home game against Saint-Giroir home game against Toulouse Lask have got to get some points there and that's going to be their basis We hoped that that would be their basis to qualify. Now it would be their basis to get third, but they need to beat Toulouse next time. They did everything right against St. I think they've got to do it again against Toulouse, which is going to be maybe even potentially a little bit more difficult. But that's the task that they've left themselves with, and I think it's a task that they are capable of of fulfilling.
1: Me too, hope so.
0: The other game in the Bundesliga, to go back to the uh, Austrian Bundesliga, that we were in attendance at, or I was in attendance at, at least this weekend, was... Hartberg won, Rapid nil. Hartberg, a seventh victory of the season. Unbelievable stuff. They are now level on points with LASK in the Bundesliga. So we've talked, you know, last week we said LASK are potentially title contenders. <laughs> this week, they are legitimately level on points with Hartberg. What an impressive Hartberg side this is. Uh, the win was somewhat questionable, but uh, the impressive start to Hartberg's season, uh, just you can't overstate it. It's, it's incredible.
1: No, I mean I did feel very optimistic when Marcus Schopp returned to the club as coach given the good times they had under him before and I feel like they lost their way after he left for that, that little while. Um but I didn't think that it would be that good this season. You know, the the yeah, performance good, and then there's this. Yeah, the performances, <laughs> the consistency you know going into this game you look at the teams on paper and you look at Rapid Austria's record champions Hartberg a tiny village club from Styria but yet now there wasn't really a favorite in that game for me it could have gone either way and you know obviously I mean I'm sure you'll tell us about it there were so 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 many chances <laughs> for Rapid to get back into this game once they went a go down but they didn't and just all credit to Hartberg I'm 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 fully in admiration of them right now.
0: Yeah, look, if you're a Rapid fan listening and you're thinking, wait, no credit to Hartberg, this should have been 6-1 to Rapid, I have sympathy because it probably should have been. But at the same time, there's, there's kind of a reason behind these things. You know, There's a reason why it wasn't 6-1 to Rapid, and there's a reason that ultimately it was 1-0 to Hartberg. Mm. Um, part of that is taking your chances, because when you go 1-0 up in six minutes actually Rapid were dominating in the first five minutes and perhaps should have scored ahead of before that. But Christoph Lang cut inside, finished a beautiful goal again. I think it's, that's his fifth of the season or something. He's just doing so, so well. And I feel like we point him out every week because he's just been brilliant. Um, but it was one of those where he cut back in the area onto his left foot. And I knew it as soon as he cut back, I was like, he's going to score this. He's going to score this. He fired it right in off the far post or just inside. The, the Lang, far Lang post. of Boston. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Very good. Um, and, and he put Hartberg 1-0 up and that's the first part of the plan, isn't it? You can only do what Hartberg did and sort of ride your luck defensively if you've already scored to make it 1-0 because they then played on the counter and arguably, I mean, Hartberg had maybe three good counter-attacks then in the remaining 85 minutes of the match or 86 minutes including extra time, whatever it was. But even in those, they looked sort of equally as dangerous as Rapid did despite Rapid having about 80 minutes of solid pressure and they racked up 23 shots in the game Burgstahler had seven, seven shots by himself. Most teams don't get seven shots in a game, basically. Mm-hmm. And Burgstahler had seven by himself. Salinger made a league record for quite a few, I think it's about three or four years since anybody's made more than 12 saves in a game. Mm. And the last time anyone got more saves than that, I believe, was Hartberg goalkeeper, René Switzer. So it says a bit about the way Hartberg played, but um, Salinger made 12 saves, a lot of really good ones as well in there. Um, but also it's that it comes down to rapide as well. It's sort of the, is the quality of the chances not good enough like when you've got 23 shots and, and you don't score is it? because it's, it's not just inefficiency I, I marked from Rapide in my mind I marked like maybe two chances, one of them where Nicholas Kuhn mm. on the half volley put it over the top and maybe the other one where the ball was with Gurgic in the box and then it sort of popped out towards Nicholas Kuhn and then at a short notice like it just sort of came to him and he put it straight at the goalkeeper difficult because you know to react at that fast you just want to get something on target yeah in the heat of the moment maybe you should have put it left or right and it would have been better but those are the two where you think okay rapid really should have scored from those chances but most of the other ones they're like you might score you might not and and they get a big xg because it's a combination of like lots of small xgs put together when you've got 23 attempts um but i don't know what to make of it because then we say there's, you know, the cliches like, oh, you can't make too much of XG. XG means nothing. And then you've got Pep Guardiola after a 4-4 against Chelsea being like, yeah, I want to look at the XG and I see how much we created. I'm really satisfied as a manager. So you're like, arguably you the best manager in the world. Is like. Using x g <laughs> for his points, but R- rapide are like, no xG means nothing so wh- where 's the truth i don 't know what the truth is
1: I think the truth watching that is that they just looked really really wasteful because you 're right, there were maybe only two that you'd describe as guilt edge chances, but teams don 't only score gilt edge chances in games, and especially that
0: Hartberg, who scored from a almost yeah. not a chance basically
1: exactly uh, this second attempt for Kuhn I thought where well, he just rolled it straight at the keeper i 'm not. Uh, you know, of, of a rapid persuasion. I'm, I'm a neutral, but I had my head in my hands when that happened. So I was thinking, of all the places, you've just rolled that straight at the goalkeeper. Um, this, obviously, this result ended up leading to quite a few questions about Zoran Barisic and his position as coach. I find that an interesting situation, given that he took temporary charge as coach, in addition to being sporting director and then never appointed a coach and just kept himself in place. Now the pressure's sort of ramping up a little bit. But as the, the analyst said on Sky, you know, these are the players that are missing from five metres out. You could take the manager away and bring in a new manager, but will they help Nicholas Kuhn stick that chance away? Will they help Guido Burgstahler take one of those chances? Will it really be different? I don't know what you think, but I do think it was interesting that Rapid publicly denied this. They
0: did. And then I've seen on the day of recording that apparently Sky are still sort of standing by what they said and saying, no, we think our information is legit, that Barisic is, uh, you know, for them Als as they would say, like on the, on the verge of the sack. But the club reacted quickly because the club weren't expecting the news to get out immediately. Basically, there's a mole and the news got out super fast. So the club had to put out a statement because they haven't spoken to Barisic, I guess.
1: But who would sack Barasic? Because the sporting director usually sacks the coach, <laughs> don't they? So Zoran would have to sack himself.
0: No, they've got Marcus Katzina now, though. Mm. They've got Marcus Katzer as the sporting director. Ah, yeah. So he doesn't have to sack himself. But yeah. he has been sporting director himself for a long time. Yeah. But I think maybe the most damning thing of the whole weekend for, for Rapid and for their perspective is that, as you said earlier, I said in my preview too, if you're Hartberg, you can never be favourites against Rapid. I'm sorry, you can't be. It's like... You know, it's like Bournemouth being favourites against Man United based on table position or whatever. Okay, fair enough on table position, but it's not. You can't be. It's like not right. It's, it doesn't compute in Austrian football. But maybe the most damning thing is that Ralph Rangnick was there. National team coach Ralph Rangnick was there at the Rapid game, and I would wager that he was there to watch Hartberg players mm. more than he was there to watch Rapid players, and that would be a big, big issue if you're Rapid, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know he was there to watch uh, Matthias Seidel, but I'm sure there's a few Hartberg players that are playing their way into contention right now. And it's the right time to do it with the Euros coming up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's just given Entrop his first call up. Entrop didn't have the busiest of days. As I said, Hartberg mostly played on the counter. And I'm sure he was obviously watching a lot of good Rapid players too. But when you think about it, it shouldn't be a contest. It should be he should definitely be there to watch four, five, six rapid players and, and not really anybody at Hartberg. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it was maybe balanced out. And yes, yeah, Seidel's done well. I feel for Marco Gru as well, because Gru is now sort of pulling his weight at Rapid. He created so many shots for his teammates in the game, but if they're not sticking them away, everyone ends up looking stupid. But yeah, great day for Salinger. Surely man of the match. Is, is Barisic, is it the right time for him to go? I mean, Rapide... I saw a graphic today that showed like their last sort of 10 or 12 starts to the season after 14 games Mm -hmm. and this is not like way below average which is a sort of an, an indictment of the way they've been in recent seasons like being in the top two or maybe top three is more above average than you'd expect for them but it is still like their worst it's still equally bad in terms of the number of points and the fact that they're in eighth position after 14 games only the bottom four are below them that's like the relegation candidates plus maybe one other team is, is below Rapid. Everybody below them has the express goal of just trying to stay in the Bundesliga. And they've got the goal of like trying to get into Europe and win stuff. So it's really not good being eighth out of 12 after 14 games.
1: No, but I feel like it isn't an entirely new situation. We're kind of used to seeing the Vienna clubs in these positions. And I think... You know, it it it's not a new thing, and perhaps there's start uh, there's a little bit of just acceptance now. I don't I don't feel that it's like such a shock anymore. It's just more where they're at, and it's disappointing, but but it is what it is.
0: It is what it is. I mean, would you be for like pro pro or or contra Barisic losing his job, finding somebody new at this point of the season, or maybe into the winter break? Because it seems like it might happen in the next few days. Who knows? By the time you listen to this, if Sky are right, it it would have happened.
1: I mean, it depends on who the alternative is. Because you can always say, yeah, I want change. Yeah, I want that guy out. It's easy. Like, you're angry as a fan. Let's get him out. But who's the alternative? And I don't know right now who the alternative would be. They've had a number of managers over the past few years. I really don't know who the next man through the door could be.
0: no. I mean, either Feldhofer is available mm. <laughs> if you want to just, you know, make a, a merry-go-round of Austrian football managers. But no. I couldn't help but thinking on Saturday afternoon or evening that Marcus Schopp would be a good mm. Rapid manager. And how tempting would that be? I remember a certain um, Didi Kubar doing well at St. Poulton at the bottom of the Bundesliga, bottom end of the Bundesliga. Uh, did a great job at St. Poulton and then moved over to Rapid, who were below St. Poulton, I think, at the time mm-hmm. when he moved. And, um, and you think... It could be a similar case, and I wonder if I wonder if something like that's been worked on. And uh, would shop do it? I, I've got no idea. Of course, this is just spitballing ideas here. But it it just crossed my mind. Put it that mm. way. As the sunset beautifully in Hartberg uh, for a, a lovely day. Go on our Twitter. Check out some of the photos from our games. Actually, both Blaubeistlens and Hartberg. It was uh, beautiful weather for both games. Really nice evenings. Good football. Hartberg flying high. Rapids somehow finding themselves even deeper in the crisis but after that we'll take a quick break now and we'll come back for the second part of the pod in just a minute. welcome back to the second part of this week's episode of the other bundesliga podcast this is the time where i give austrianfood.co.uk a shout out because they are our partners for the podcast at the moment if you go on to austrianfood.co.uk you can find a whole load of really nice austrian food austrian goods uh, austrian homewares all sorts of things that you can get imported to your country whether that's the uk or somewhere else or if you're a business looking for austrian foods AustrianFood.co.uk, the austrian store they will have you hooked up if you go there you can use the code other bundesliga capital capital O, capital B, and get 15% off. And at the moment, they've got some awesome Christmas packages together as well. So there's all kinds of things. There's like chocolates, drinks, jams, confectionaries, as I said, sort of books, homewares, all sorts of things. And you can get 15% off of those if you use our code OTHERBUNDESLIGA before Christmas. For the rest of this podcast, though, we've got a few more games to get through and uh, even a few more teams who are competing in Europe finding themselves unusually relegated, perhaps, to the second part of the uh, other Bundesliga podcast this weekend a team that's almost never in the second part of the other Bundesliga pod right now is Strom Graz but they'd lost two games on the bounce in the Bundesliga having been unbeaten for a long long time but they got back in the W column this weekend in quite some style didn't they
1: yeah a really comfortable 3-0 win away to Austria Klagenfurt I think this is one of those classic cases where you would say how good was Strom Graz and how bad were Austria Klagenfurt because we're used to them being what the Germans call bissig, you know, they really go into the tackles, they're, they're, they're an aggressive team, and I felt that they they lacked a lot of that in this game. I thought they sort of sat off a bit, they looked a bit off the pace, and I think that this is the kind of performance that um, Peter Pakot will be really disappointed with, because that's not the way he likes his team to play. But by the same token, it was really, really good from, from Sturm, and... I thought that Tommy Horvath was, you know, particularly good. He was the obvious uh, standout man. This was his first Bundesliga brace in 43 appearances in the league. And um, overall, very convincing, which, you know, obviously this this is what they need as well. With, with Salzburg dropping a point later in the day, I do wonder if Sturm would have dropped the point if they'd played after Salzburg and seen the result. Because they always then seem to drop points when they play after or at the same time as Salzburg. Um, but nonetheless, a, a really, really good performance. I think there's a lot to take heart from.
0: That's a really interesting mental question, isn't it? Do, you, do teams drop more points when they've seen that their direct rivals have dropped points earlier? Because it feels like, you're right, with Sturm, it feels like it happens a lot. But from the Klagenfurt perspective... Look, they're still fifth. They've lost twice in a row now, which is something that Struham had just dealt with, losing twice in a row. Um, and you're right. It's definitely a performance that Peter Packard will be livid about. But I said this quite a bit earlier in the season, maybe a month ago or more. I said, look, they're going to have games like this. They just do. It's something that happens. When you're, when you're this team that like goes in for everything and you, you give it everything every game and, and you've basically... You're not maybe at the level of some of the other teams, but you're sort of trying to perform at that level and trying to just, just do all this stuff. And, and performing above yourself, basically, like Austria Klagenfurt have made now the norm to basically be better than they should be. Sometimes it happens that you, just, you can't get stuck in, you can't find a foothold. The problem for them now is that they've done it twice in a row. They lost heavily to VAT. Now they've lost heavily to Sturm. Um, the thing that I'll say is that they've built themselves that cushion And that's what they've earned by being very, very, very good for a long time already this season, Austria Klagenfurt, because they've lost twice in a row now and they're still in the top six. They're still fifth. They're still up there at the top end. They're still fighting. So if they can turn it around again and get a few points back in the bag between now and Christmas, they'll still be absolutely fine come the winter break. So they've sort of had that in the bank. However exactly what they didn't need to do was go behind to a third-minute goal. Mm-hmm. And, and they just looked off the pace from the outset, didn't they? It was almost an own goal. mental made a great save, the goalkeeper, and then Stankovic reacted quickest to head it in. And then, as you said, Tommy Horvat came up good with a brace. A couple of lovely finishes as well, really clever play. Um, Sturm needed that. Two losses in, the, in a row. Back in the win column, three points. Level on points now at the top with Salzburg. And it was the perfect tonic for Sturm after a tough 1-0 defeat away in Bergamo against Atalanta midweek too.
1: Yeah, I mean, in that game, I felt that there wasn't really that much in it in Bergamo and it was a bit of a scrappy goal the way that it went in. It was one of those, if somebody pulls off a worldie, you're kind of more willing to just say, well, that was a piece of absolute class and it's won the game. But it was just a horrible goal the way it went in, sort of bouncing off a defender and then getting slotted home. Um, But nonetheless, I think we would have looked at Atalanta as the best team in that group going into the tournament. And we would have probably said that, therefore, the game in Bergamo would be Storm's hardest one on paper. So the fact that they only lost it narrowly 1-0, I think, is is no disgrace.
0: No, and they got a point off Atalanta, ultimately, which is, you know, a decent balance after the two games. And that group is wide open now as well. So they've got Rakov, Shusterhova to play at home, and they've got to play uh, sporting in Lisbon. So, yeah, it's sort of, it's anyone's game, but they're in a great position now in that if they can beat Rakov at home which by the opposite token would you would have said is their sort of easiest hit on paper I mean Rakov have been very close in all of their games actually to be fair to give that warning shot but you'd expect Strum to beat them at home you'd hope Strum can beat them at home and if they do do that they will be guaranteed at least third place in the group mm-hmm. which would be Conference League i take that. Sturm would probably take that as well. Still big money, still a big chance to improve, still a big chance to move on and maybe get closer to the latter stages of a European competition.
1: I said to you on the train yesterday, didn't I, that the, the three teams that are in European competitions, if they all drop down one level in third place, that is probably close to where their level is at. So Salzburg in the Europa League and Lask and Sturm in the Conference League. I think they would be more at their level and they'd have a chance of putting a really good run together. So it'd be no shame for me to see Sturm drop into the Conference League.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it, that we would probably at the start of the season as well, you'd take third for Salzburg in the Champions League. You'd have taken third for Sturm in Europa League and for LASK in the Europa League, which is not always the case. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. They're all a little bit above their, their level potentially. But Sturm still gave it a great go against Atalanta, came out on the losing side, groups massively open, not too bad. Um, A team who are even less frequently in the second half of the other Bundesliga podcast, FC Red Bull Salzburg. Mm. They went away to Favoriten this weekend. Salzburg, who never lose away in the Bundesliga against Austria-Vienna, who at the moment just don't concede any goals. Mm. What could have been the outcome other than a highly entertaining 0-0 draw?
1: I mean, it was highly entertaining because the Sky Highlights were the longest of any game this weekend. <laughs> they were seven minutes, and how often do you get that for a, a goalless draw? I think that it's no overstatement to say that Austria-Vienna were the better team for long parts of this game. Absolutely. And that surprised me. You look at the shot count, 9-2 to in their favour in the first half. Um, Salzburg didn't really have too much apart from Nene's offside goal, which was correctly disallowed. And I think that Austria-Vienna will be kicking themselves given what happened in the final minutes.
0: Yeah, they absolutely will. Um, They won a penalty in the 90th minute, 89 minutes plus on the clock. Penalty won. And then in true Austrian Bundesliga crazy style, the team that won the penalty also got a red card because there was a little bit of a flare-up after the foul for the penalty. And Marvin Martins, who... At the best of times, is a bit of a walking red card. Also, a very competent defender, by the way, who made a lot of important uh, contributions during this season and in this game as well, but is also a walking red card. Martins came in, pushed Alexander Schlager, lifted his elbow into the chin of Alexander Schlager. It wasn't much when the referee is standing a foot away from you, looking at both of you. It was a ridiculous thing to do. And so Austria-Vienna won the penalty, got a red card... And I don't know why Alexander Schmidt was the player to take it. Obviously, I've I've got no information about who should take penalties if certain players are off the pitch or whatever. But, like, Jukic, like, maybe Fischer, I don't know, but
1: Schmidt... Was Gruber not on the pitch at that time?
0: I I don't even know if Gruber was still on the pitch, no. But I, I was thinking, I don't know what Gruber's penalties are like, particularly either, but I i did think when schmidt came on i know he he scored recently to be fair but he's like a new austria vienna player he's a player who's gone a long time without many goals you know i had my question marks and i don't i don't mean to be mean to alexander schmidt but i had my question marks i was like is this the guy to take the 90th minute penalty against salzburg and results-based penalty uh outcome here you know (laughs) yeah it, it was a rubbish penalty. You can say that now because it was saved, but it wasn't a good penalty. It was nowhere near the corner, nowhere near the post, really good height for the goalkeeper, to use all the cliches of, of whatever. But Schlager had an excellent day. Schlager was the man of the match, which says a lot about the game. Alexander Schlager, unquestionably the man of the match. And in the build-up, people were talking to us, like people were mentioning on Twitter, like, is he an upgrade on, on Philip Kuhn? Is he, is he a downgrade? And a lot of people think he's a downgrade. I personally don't think he's a downgrade on Philip Kuhn at all, They're obviously keepers at different stations in their career, potentially different stages of their career. But I I think he's done a great job. You can see him as well. It's a young team around him. He's not very old himself, but it's a young team around him. And during the games, he's shouting at his players. He's pointing them out. He's instructing them this, that or the other, which I think Salzburg need. And it was perfect for him. He made a phenomenal reflex stop from a Gruber header earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. And then, Came up big with a with a penalty save in the 90th minute. Like, what more can you ask as a goalkeeper? Preserved a now 23 game unbeaten run away from home, which matches up with the all time record, I believe, from vacker Innsbruck from okay. 33 years ago. Austria Vienna says a lot about the Bundesliga right now, and says a lot about this season that Austria Vienna can draw nil nil with Red Bull Salzburg, which in most seasons would feel like a win, especially as they're seventh, Mm -hmm. by the way. And it felt like a defeat for Mm Austria-Vienna.
1: Crazy. It's interesting that they've set this away unbeaten record when at the same time, I think, given results in the Bundesliga and in Europe, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm starting to question now whether they are actually going to do this thing that we've asked at the start of every season for the last five years. Now that they've lost their last proper players, will they replace them and will they be as good as last season or will they fall off? And I think they are actually showing signs this season that they're not as good and that they are falling off and that we do have the best chance of a tighter race that we've actually had in, in, in recent years, certainly since we've been doing the pod.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the figures that they've got right now for draws and defeats, is something more akin to their figures for draws and defeats over a complete season. Or, or even they've suffered more draws and defeats now than they would in a complete season on average in the last maybe decade. So it does say, you're right, you know, it's 14 games in, you can start not exactly drawing conclusions, but you can paint some pictures of what's going on. And they do seem to be struggling a lot more. They are genuinely a, a lot closer to the level of of, of Sturm, of, of Lask. And and Austria-Vienna right now suddenly find themselves in this amazing groove of form. They've finally moved themselves above Rapid, which took a long time coming because Austria started the season woefully and and Rapid started the season quite well before they began just missing all of their chances. But now, you know, Austria is still seventh, which is just weird. But they haven't conceded a goal for ages. Like, I think it's seven games across league and cup. That's incredible. Mm. That's their club record since 2005 6. Wow. So it's doing brilliantly. And they're, and they're disappointed to take a point from Salzburg. Mm. It says a lot. And, uh, I think you mentioned before we recorded that a lot of the people that speak to us who've got experience of MLS and, and Gerhard Strube in New York say that basically this is what he does. You know, th- th- a lot of the voices that we hear, the perspectives we hear from the US side, are that people are not really convinced that he's a good guy
1: quite The opposite, I think a lot of people really dislike him as a manager.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I was quite excited to see him come in and see what he could do. And we said at the start of the season, it's a bit different a coach who needs to sort of prove themselves rather than the coach who's looking to prove themselves in their sort of first job. Struber's in a different position, but yeah, it's not been easy for him with the team that he's got around him. But how much of that lies with the players and how much lies with the manager is it's it's very, very difficult, nigh on impossible to say. But. Salzburg dropped points in the Bundesliga. They're level now with Sturm, but still top on goal difference because the head-to-head is drawn for now. They lost, though, uh, in far more unfortunate circumstances, I thought, in the Champions League against Inter. I thought they would have been good value for the same result, another nil-nil, but yet another one of these annoying handball penalties came up very late on. They had no time to respond. Mads running across just inside the area, running across to block a shot. In slow-mo, it looks stupid because it's like he's got his hand out. In real time, you're just running across to try and block a shot yeah. and it happens to hit your hands. It's a stonewall penalty. I have no doubts about it, no denying that. But they are really annoying and quite unlucky when they happen against your team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would totally agree with that. It's a shame now because that result eliminated Salzburg from the Champions League. I don't think... We really had any realistic hopes that they would go through. Maybe after match day one, riding on the high of that 3-0 win in Lisbon against Benfica. But since then, it's been three straight defeats now. And um, I think the best they can hope for is obviously going to be that that conference league, um, that Europa League place, sorry, to to move down.
0: That's true. They've still got a chance of that, though, because talking about downturns from season to season, Benfica just, you know, last year they looked like as good as they've looked in, in many, many years in the Champions League this year. They're also almost struggling with a similar Salzburgish effect of sort of new young players trying to refresh players. Benfica, traditionally, it's Benfica and Salzburg are the two teams that you look at and say they've got the best academies, like best mm. youth talent. And f- how funny that the two teams in the same season maybe are, are struggling to do the roulette of bringing through new players on this like uh, roundabout that that they've done so successfully for so long.
1: Yeah, it's a coincidence that it's happening at the same time, but obviously it's such. an incredible process that these clubs do year in year out the fact that now they are perhaps not able to keep it up for one or two seasons or however long it turns out to be I think it's understandable what they do is remarkable and we started to take it for granted
0: Absolutely Uh, moving back to the Bundesliga and down to the bottom of the Bundesliga the bottom two were both in action this weekend Uh, they never score any goals there's just no goal threat at all Um, In one of the games, it was two teams who hadn't scored for five games each against each other. So what could we expect? But, of course, 11 games, 11 goals across the two games. Ridiculous stuff. Uh, Lustenau 2, VSA 3, perhaps Mm -hmm. the place to start. Madness.
1: Yeah, still win this Lustenau. Um, It was a shame because the scoreline maybe tells a different tale. It makes this game look a bit closer than it actually was. But in fact, you know, uh, they uh, Wolfsburg were 2-0 up then it got pulled back to 2-1 and then instantly it goes to 3-1 a horrible goalkeeper defensive mix up with Scheele throwing it out and it going straight to uh, Boyacía, who set up Ballo uh, and then you know there's a goal back uh, with five minutes to go and it you know you start to think oh it looks interesting now but I don't think they really ever really had enough to, to get a point from this one
0: no they shot themselves completely in the foot you're, you're absolutely right Um Viette 2-up, they'd worked hard for that 2-0 lead. It could have, probably should have been more. Uh, suddenly this Boace Balo Bamba front trio that we, we were waxing lyrical about a week ago, they're, they're, just, they're hitting form right now. Like Viette looks suddenly really dangerous going forward. But then credit to Lustre now. They got the goal back, and it was a lovely goal as well from Nomori Sise. turned in the box, fired into the top corner. Brilliant. When you haven't scored for week on week on week on week, mm. to do that. Fantastic. And then the home fans are like, yes, come on, 2-1, we're back in this. And they completely shot themselves in the foot. The defensive error, horrendous. Kennedy Burteng and Boris Maltenis, just, it was like slapstick, as you say, goalkeeper bowled the ball out to his defender on his own on the edge of the area, completely missed the ball, and then the other defender slips over, and it's like a tap in for 3-1, and they've completely ruined any chance of momentum. And maybe that hurts even more then, because Yadali Diabe curled in a beauty so Luzernal, without doubt, scored the best two goals in that game. Mm. But it wasn't even worth a point because of this gift that they gave to VRC. So this is what happens to you when you're, when you're down at the bottom of the table. It just doesn't go your way. They've scored seven now after those two goals. They've scored seven goals in the whole season, which is simply nowhere near enough. But if you look at VRC, I'm going to say this, VRC are in sixth right now. They've snuck into sixth because with that win, they moved above both... Austria-Vienna, who drew, and Rapid, who lost. And VRT for me, are like the perfect 6th or 7th place barometer. Because I don't think VRT are particularly good. They've not had a great season. They've dropped points to the likes of Lustenau, blau Weiss-Linz, Altac. They haven't been a particularly strong team. They find a bit of form every now and then. They're the only classic Austrian Bundesliga team in the you-just-don't-know-what-you're-going-to-get kind of mould. So it's perfect for them to be 6th or 7th. Because... If you're doing well in a season right now, you you'll be ahead of VRT. I'm sorry, any team who's doing well should be ahead of VRT this season, and it's telling that, that the likes of Rapid are not above them, because really you know they sh- you should be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with VRT being sixth. Fair play to them. They, if they can sneak into sixth, then fair play, they deserve it. But I think anybody who's falling below them, they they should be the barometer. Like you sh- a good team should be above VRT. Is all I'm saying. Um,
1: can I just? chuck in one very uh what i thought unbelievable fact about that game just to go back to lustre now obviously you mentioned there at the start how long it's been since they've scored but i did not know this they have not scored a first half goal all season so that's 630 minutes of first half football and that's excluding injury time where they haven't scored in the first half so it would be quite good if they weren't always coming from behind in games and that's essentially what they're having to do at the moment
0: yeah, it doesn't help out at all. Uh, another stat is that they've played eight at home and lost eight at home this season. Absolutely grim stats. Maybe that's nice why they've moved study. stadiums. Yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe they'll do better um, in this temporary uh, removal. You know, when they're playing when they're playing at let Let's see. Like, it, it, they can't do any worse. Like I, I do feel for their home fans this season because they're a very they're well supported club, passionate fans. Like. Fair play, they come out in force and they've had nothing really to cheer about. I felt happy for them that they even got two goals to cheer in this game mm. because in this season, this grim, grim season for Lustenau, that's about as good as it's got. Uh, funnily enough, they, they went on that long run without scoring and the last time they scored, they also lost three goals to two at home. Mm. They've done the same again. Uh, VSK Tyrol and Altac met in the other game of the teams in the bottom three. VSK hadn't scored for five games. Altac hadn't scored for five games. 5-1, of course. VSK 5, Altac 1. Why not VSK uh, literally doubling uh, or, or adding 50%, sorry, to their goals tally for the whole season with some catastrophically bad Altak defending?
1: This was probably one of the worst defensive performances I've seen in the Bundesliga. Uh, especially, I mean, I do feel sorry for him, but Lukas Guganig in particular, um, you know, an, an own goal in there, a mistake, a misplaced pass for another goal, had a chance to get a goal back late on that, that couldn't, he couldn't take. The I'd
0: worst one for me was the, the, the clearance off the line. The, the, the commentators gave it all to Lucas Guggening. as his fault. I, I think the responsibility has to be shared, but mm-hmm. there was like a chip over the goalkeeper. It was bouncing towards the goal. Defender's like, don't worry, I'm going to clear it. But two of them did it at the same time on the line. So they just cleared it against each other and it just left it sat up on the goal mm. line for a tap-in. And that was for 1-0. And it was like, oh man, that was slapstick. That was so bad. And then 2-0 was the own goal. And then 3-0 was Christian Gebauer uh, letting a cross like squirm through his legs somehow. And then it was a tap-in for 3-0. So, I mean, VSK, who were desperate for a win, it, it couldn't have been laid on a plate for them any easier than this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, it was quite interesting that... Joachim standfest brought off three players at half time and it just seemed to have absolutely no impact on the on the way the game was going.
0: No, not at all. I mean Altac now, two points in six games. Earlier in the season, we were saying, Wow, Altac usually struggled to get goals. Um, and earlier they had like nine or ten goals and in a reasonable time frame it was looking good. But now with this long run without goals, they've they've slipped back to like the eleventh, you know, second worst goal rate in the Bundesliga and they're really really struggling only Lustenov scored fewer and it's telling that Gustavo Santos came on scored a consolation goal to make it 4-1 it ended 5-1 he killed in a lovely goal probably the best goal of the game Mm. Um, and got uh, Gustavo Santos with that second goal is now Altac's top scorer this season that's not good your top scorer uh, you know coming up to mid November top scorer has got two goals Mm the old struggles that that Standfest seemed to have erased earlier on in the season, they're, they're sort of slowly coming back and they're slipping back towards the bottom now. Uh, luckily for them, they're still quite comfortably ahead of VSK and way ahead of Lustenau. But yeah, worrying times a little bit at Altac.
1: Yeah, I think because Lustenau are so spectacularly bad this season, it sort of makes other teams maybe... Not as worried about finishing in that one relegation spot as they might otherwise have done in another season. But still, you never know what happens when the points get halved. If Lustenau start to go on some kind of run, things can change very quickly.
0: They absolutely can. I mean, good for Altac, just to bring them back into the picture, that they've got a decent cup run at the moment because they're into the quarterfinals of the cup. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for that, their form would seem so, so bad. But um, yeah, you're right. The points will be halved uh, in the spring. Right now, if they were halved, VSK would be on four. And Luton will be on one, so mm. absolutely rough that I will be on one. By the way, but they would only be one win away then mm. <laughs> from moving back ahead, because they've got they would have the asterisk because their three points would be halved. So, they'd end up with one asterisk. Yeah. And then one win would then put them on four asterisk, which would be ahead of VSK Tirol. <laughs> so, that shows how close this thing could be after the split. Who knows? Mm. But a much needed win for VSK after some improved performances. They've turned that into points finally. Um, that, that's going to feel really good for them to get a 5 1 win. First home win of the season. Listen, now some improved performances, but still no points. And that is the way it goes when you're at the bottom of the mm. Bundesliga table. We'll leave it there for this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. We've got an exciting international break coming up with Austria playing away against Estonia and at home against none other than Germany. Mm. Looking forward to that. I know a lot of people are wanting to get tickets to that, but unfortunately it appears to be absolutely sold out. Um, the Austrians do love a chance to, <laughs> to test themselves against Germany. So, and there are a popular. lot of
1: Germans living in Vienna. So,
0: Also true, yeah. So we're looking forward to those things. We'll bring you news of those games as and when they happen. But for now... We will say goodbye for this week's episode of the other Bundesliga pod. Cheers.